Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Fistle Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you did. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. 17-14 at the final. One touchdown, we are world champions. Believe it, and it will happen. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. And welcome to Monday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live here on Giants.com, as well as the mobile app. He's Paul Dettino. I'm Lance Meadow. Good to have you aboard as we'll break down a Giants victory on Sunday Night Football as they outlasted the Commanders 20-12. to A huge win, their first win in the NFC East. First win in primetime since 2018 on Monday Night Football against the Niners. And they improved to 8-5-1 as a result. Multiple ways you can interact with us here on the program. You give us a ring, 201-939-4513. You can also hit us up on Twitter, hashtag GiantsChat. And a reminder, you can find the archive of this show and our entire podcast network on the Giants mobile app, podcast platforms everywhere, and at Giants.com slash podcast. So a lot to unravel over these next 60 minutes. But let's start in terms of the ability to finish games, Paul. That's at least what jumped out to me, and that's what we yeah. talked about, right, in the first half of the season when they were piling up all of these one-score games. It was the fact that they were finding ways through complementary football to close out a contest. And you saw that first on offense with Saquon Barkley having those three big runs for 12 yards, 14 yards, 15 yards. He had seven carries for 48 yards, set up the Graham Gano 50-yard field goal. And then, of course, the defense making some big plays down the stretch. It wasn't easy, and I'm sure everybody was sitting at the edge of their seat because Washington had an opportunity with the goal line stand. But those plays, you could argue, had been missing over the last few weeks. Big players who make big plays in big spots, right? You always talk about timing all the time, Lance. We talked about it on the radio postgame show last night. Uh, it, it, You can't hammer that home enough. Daniel Jones was incredibly efficient, did a marvelous job of handling that game yesterday, threw a bunch of surgical passes, did not make any mistakes. Saquon Barkley stepped up when the team needed it the most to take momentum away from the commanders on that drive, showing all the gusto that you could possibly muster as he drove them into field goal range. And now they have an eight-point lead. And yeah, oh, by the way, on defense, Dexter Lawrence, Leonard Williams, Aziz Ojolari, and Kayvon Thibodeau, all involved, all involved in two 
consecutive goal line stands where, you know what? I'm going to say it. I'm a little early, but I'm going to say it. Kayvon Thibodeau is very rapidly becoming a headache player for the other team's offense. Look at his individual box score. It's not just, by the way, the strip sack, which was fantastic because he scored a touchdown. He led the team with 12 tackles. He was all over the place. Nine mm-hmm. solo, three for loss, a quarterback hit, and then the sack of the touchdown that I mentioned. You look at every important individual category for a player. The only thing that was missing was he didn't get a pass defense. The nerve of him for not to be in position <laughs> to deflect the pass. But Oh, by the way, he did get poked in the eye, too. He did. Well, that doesn't count, I think, statistically. <laughs> I don't know where you would fit that in. But he really was all over the place, very aggressive. To your point, he's making disruptive plays. And it's coming at key critical moments, which I think is also something that you can't dismiss. And you alluded to this somewhat. Last night was really the first opportunity where the Giants had at their disposal their top four guys up front, right? How many times have we been talking about Paul throughout the season? You have Kayvon for a game, then he goes out, Aziz comes back, then somebody else is out. Leonard Williams didn't play the last game due to a neck issue. Mm -hmm. Dexter really has been the lone staple. All four were front and center. If they could keep those guys healthy, you can see what type of damage they could do up front. You know, it's funny because they all took turns making plays except for Kayvon, who was just great all night. But but Dexter Lawrence showed up in the biggest of spots. Shared the sack with Aziz. Right. The fumble-causing sack uh, down inside the 10-yard the, the line. Uh, you know, it's funny because I think Leonard Williams did not have – what was his line? I don't think he had a line except for the fumble recovery, right? Yeah, I'm not even seeing him right? in terms of the breakdown. Now, right. now – Again, that goes back to big players make big plays in big spots. You know, Dexter Lawrence makes the hit on Heineke uh, with some help from Ojolari, and Leonard Williams pops on that football. I mean, he doesn't pop on that football. Who knows what Washington does with that drive, right? But Leonard Williams made a big play, and the rest of his stat sheet didn't necessarily do anything spectacular, but in a big spot, he made the big play. And even Ojolari, half a sack, but a very significant pressure on the final series. The third and goal from the six, he got the hit Incredibly, Heineke. Incredibly important and impressive pressure. So all four of those guys, at some point during the game, made a critical play, even if their overall stat line was not as good as Thibodeau's. I want to piggyback off of your point. You were, I think, getting to this, and I don't even know if we talked about this on the postgame show last night on the Giants radio network. It was a heads-up play, the strip sack for Aziz and Dexter Lawrence for two reasons. Two reasons. Number one, Brian Dable, excellent decision to challenge that. You got nothing to lose in that position. Right. So that was a smart, savvy play. But as you brought up, Leonard Williams recovering the loose ball. Remember, you need a clear recovery to overturn that call as well, Paul. And the fact that the Giants, as a defensive unit, finished that play, even though initially it was just simply, it was a sack, he was down by contact, you figured the commanders would come out for the fourth down, take the field goal, and inch closer, probably, right? Probably, probably. The fact that on replay they had a clear recovery is a huge reason why that play was overturned. And I think that gets overlooked in terms of everything that played out sequence-wise throughout the course of that 
play. The message from Dable and Wink Martindale, and we've heard it verbalized ad infinitum, is about everybody fight, everybody hustle all the time. This team has so much fire in its belly, and that's what you see when a play like sure. that happens. How about Thibodeau? And I don't know how many people understand the importance of this, but I guarantee you that when Coach Dable or or Coach Patterson or Coach Martindale get Thibodeau in the film room, they are going to applaud him for the strip sack and recovery for the touchdown, not because it was a great play, but because it showed how much he learned from two weeks ago when he sacked Heineke inside the one and literally hit him with a bone-crushing, pancaking tackle but did not jar the ball free. This time he went in, a la O.C. Yamanura, going for the strip sack in the same situation, and this time he didn't go for the bone-crushing tackle. He went for the ball. He went for the takeaway. I guarantee you he heard enough about that two weeks ago when he didn't get the takeaway. This time he was going to get the takeaway, and he did. That's maturity. That's learning. Sure. Progression, too, in terms of the evolution of a young player. And learning from film, from previous games, and saying, hey, if I'm in that position again, this is what I'm going to do it's under really, those circumstances. It's a coach's dream when you see a player learn from either a mistake or something that he didn't quite realize the first time around. And overall, what Thibodeau was able to accomplish is really the perfect microcosm of why the Giants won the football game. Because, first of all, the offense was only responsible for 13 of the 20 points, Paul. And you score only 13 points as an offense, it's going to be tough sledding to win football games. You're putting a lot of pressure on your defense. No doubt. The other thing is, you look at the team statistics, Washington had 100 more total yards than the Giants. So I made this point last night. If you did not watch a down in this game, you just simply looked at the box score you would go statistic by statistic and you would say, hey, Washington was able to move the football. Washington was able to have success. How is it that the Giants won the game? They forced the commanders into multiple empty possessions. Mm -hmm. And that's where it comes back to those opportunistic strip sacks and those defensive game-changing plays because one empty possession clearly is the strip sack fumble that Thibodeau recovered for the touchdown. But the other huge one, and maybe even more critical than the touchdown early by Thibodeau, was... Dexter Lawrence and Aziz forcing the sack and Leonard Williams recovering because let's go back to where Washington was in the game. They were at the Giants' five-yard line, Paul. They were knocking on the door. (laughs) This was a 17-12 game. Yeah. Washington, now I know under those circumstances, even if it doesn't get overturned, they're probably going to take the field goal. But they gave up a 61-yard pass play to Dotson, who made a really good play. you got to give him credit. Outstanding grab. I mean, that's what you want to see out of a wide receiver. Yes. Go make up, plays for your correct, quarterback. Aggressively make the play for your quarterback. you got to tip your cap to the opposition. Then, Brian Robinson, 19 yards. Curtis Samuel, K okay, only picks up a yard. McLaurin, five. It set him up for a very manageable third down. Who knows what happens if they don't get the sack there and they don't get the fumble That was a huge play because it was Washington knocking on the door, and those are two possessions, including the turnover on downs at the end of the game, right? Because there's another red zone possession. Ron Rivera talked about this at the end of the game. He was frustrated, clearly, because of the dynamics of what played out late in the game, and that can take up an entirely different show. But it was more important to highlight, and Rivera was the first one to bring this up, 
They did not capitalize on red zone opportunities. And we talk about that with the Giants all the time, right? The red zone defense got back to what worked effectively early in the season. They had taken a step back over the last few games. What did I bring up statistically speaking? 11 rushing touchdowns, Paul. They had allowed in every game over the previous six with the exception of the Texans game. We're not talking about that. Red zone defense was significant in this game. I want to throw two things at you, and we haven't talked about this, so I don't know if you're going to agree with it. Landon Collins played a significant number of snaps yesterday, Yep. and I thought his leadership, his grit, uh, his, his, just, his just presence, you know, again, his stat line was not incredibly impressive, but I thought his presence. The optics tell yes, the story. I thought it was important. He did have a huge third down stop that did force Washington into punting the football at one point. And that was after, if I recall, he was out of position on the previous play. He had missed his gap. Exactly. Yep. And then he came back and he made them punt the football. Um, I think that's something that could easily go unnoticed. And then the other thing, and my God, I hate to go back to Thibodeau again, but he was so great all night. Typical of the hustle and the desire and the want to of this team. Second down and goal on the last series, Heineke scrambles out of the pocket to the right. He takes off. He's got miles of open space to go to the end zone and here comes Thibodeau shot out of a cannon no one could have blamed him if he didn't get there but he must have hit it into a second and third gear and gets there and throws his body at Heineke and stops him at the one yard line which then of course forced what turned out to be Washington's fatal last couple of plays I was standing right there. Tipido, I'm telling you. Lance, I don't know how he got there. I really Another don't. Another great hustle play. Yeah. And that's that's what hustle is about. That's when they say play to the end of the whistle every single time. Can't say enough. No, I think that's another good example of another key turning point type of play because if Heineke gets in, who knows how the rest of the game plays out. Maybe we'd be looking at another overtime affair. The NFL sometimes has a cruel sense of humor. They were at 20, the Giants. Washington oh, was I at know. 12. I they know. just played a 20-20 tie. I can only imagine what was going through your mind oh, on the sideline. Oh, boy. There. You yeah. don't want to know. No, I, well, I, I was in my <laughs> own mind. I was contemplating Paul on the sideline thinking all week long he did not want to see another tie. And then all of a sudden, the number 20 is looming. Yeah. I think I was may have dislocated the right shoulder of Jean-Paul uh, Gonzalez, who is the Giants Bible study guy, who was on the sidelines during the course of the game. He uh, he took some real abuse from me. <laughs> Man, you know how to pick him, apparently, on the sideline. <laughs> He's a big dude, too. Yeah, but still, in terms of his role on the team, it's amazing who you choose to maybe take out some emotional stress. One other thing I want to bring up, because I think we really hit on all of the defensive key components, is I mentioned Barkley's runs on the final drive, but the 18-play, 97-yard drive. Drive of the season. Wow. Really 102 because of the penalty that occurred. But what was impressive to me about this, and this was something else that we talked about last night on the Giants Radio Network postgame show, when you put together an 18-play drive and you – avoid a negative play completely. That's almost impossible to do. So here we go. The Giants did not avoid a negative play. They had the false start. And still overcame it. Correct. That's what Jones was masterful. Nine completed passes in a row. Masterful. At one point. 
and the fourth and nine. First of all, for Brian Dable to keep the offense on the field, <laughs> to go for it, you know, that takes a pair of stones. And he actually, he talked about this in the postgame presser. He just talked about it with us on a Zoom call right before we came on. The influence of the analytics people and how they go over different scenarios leading into the game every single week. And that was one of the things they talked about. Hey, if the Giants wanted to come out and punt because the wind was not in a favorable mm -hmm. spot, I wouldn't have blamed them for that at that point in the game. You don't understand. It's early. You're still within striking distance. But, hey, you keep the offense on the field. And what have we been talking about all season long? And I know we've been getting feedback from callers. Other wide receivers need to step up. Well, Richie James deserves again. credit Did for it making again. a big-time catch, an 11-yard gain on that pass. Did it again. Richie J Isaiah Hodgins also came, -yarder. Up, yeah. also came up with one. Look, one thing about Dable, and let me make sure we got this clear, folks. He values the analytics, but again, it's only a piece of the pie for him. He said flat out, you have to take into account weather, momentum, yep. the, the crowd, how your players are feeling, what the flow of the game is. He said you have to take all of that into account when you make a decision. You just don't go out there, look at the numbers, and say we have to kick the field goal. And, I, and I, I'm so grateful to hear him say that because there are so many coaches who just want to chew on the analytics and make that their driving force. Dable doesn't do that. He understands that there's a lot of other complementary pieces on that dinner plate that you have to take into account. And I, I really appreciate him for that. I want to give you a number here. I put it up on my Twitter page this morning, and I think it's incredibly important when you consider how football is won in the trenches. The Giants last night facing 58 Washington snaps, 32 pass plays, had three sacks, eight quarterback hits, and four tackles for a loss. Washington's defense facing 62 snaps by the Giants, 32 pass plays as well, zero sacks, four quarterback hits, one tackle for a loss not nearly as disruptive and this is the much heralded heralded Washington commanders defensive line the Giants outplayed Washington on both sides of the trenches their offensive line kept that defensive line quiet and the Giants front four did its job in big spots and speaking of the offensive line, the Giants' offensive line deserves a worthy highlight because they opened up the running lanes for Saquon Barkley on that last drive. Bredesen and came back and was yeah, a part of it. was alternating with Nick Gates. And then on top of that, no sacks for Washington as you ran through the numbers. And this was a group that had four sacks two weeks ago. And we know Deron Payne had two of them. So the fact that they kept those guys in check, I'm not saying that Daniel Jones didn't feel some pressure. He did at moments, but... You didn't allow the commanders to have that game-changing, disruptive play. Of no. course, fumble or something like that, and that proved to be extremely critical as well. I, I don't think there's any doubt. It, it, football still comes down to the trenches, and uh, the Giants, throughout the course of the night, they did what they had to do in the trenches to make sure that Washington's defensive line could not set the narrative for the game. That's the best way I can describe it. And... Um, you know, the other really good piece of news, if you're a Giants fan, is that it seems like they came out pretty well injury-wise. Vanette's got a sore shoulder, yep. according to Coach Dable. He said he was going to check with the trainers later on, but he didn't think that there was anything much to worry about. I believe his quote was, we're in pretty good shape. And Landon Collins was shaken up briefly. He had hobbled off 
in now, the I game. I talked to him after the game. He was fine. And then Graham Gano took a hard hit on that late kickoff where Gibson returned it for 43 It's funny. Yards. I walked off the field with Gano into the players' tunnel, to the locker room, and I said to him, hey, man, that 50-yard field goal at the end, you know, made a point. I said, man, that was big. And he looked at me and he goes, was it 50? I said, yeah, it was 50. What do you think it was? He didn't know. He, Graham approaches every field goal the same. He doesn't think about distance, and he doesn't because he said to me that can alter your sure. approach. He said, "I want consistency on every one of my field goals." So he goes out there just trying to do a mechanical kick. I guess like people who do golf, right? They want to do the same way they drive it. That makes sense. It. Sure. So he said to me, "I said so. I said what were, what were you thinking the distance?" He goes, "Well." He goes, I told, I told Babes, 52-53 was probably the limit. And I said, well, you did it. He goes. You're right there. <laughs> he, goes, yeah, he goes, hey, we got enough. We got enough. I said, well, man, you know, great job once again. Uh, he's, he's been money. A pair of 50-yard field goals in this game. He's a weapon. We talk about it. It shows up time and time again. And when you win a game by eight points, when you win eight games by one score, yeah, the field goal <laughs> kicker has a lot of value because you take away a few Graham Gano field goals this season. Paul, we may not be talking about eight wins right now. Should we also add that Jamie Gillen punted very well? Had three downed inside the 20 of his five punts last night. Now, they did give up that one bad return last night. The 43-yarder. Yeah, 43-yarder. One bad return. The special teams continues to have one breakdown every game, or at least one breakdown. But the punter and the kicker did their jobs. Well, you wanted this to be a game where Washington had to put together 18 play drives. They love time of possession. Okay, allow them to capitalize on time of possession, but make them earn it. And there was one drive, of course, where Washington did not face one first down and capitalized with a touchdown. Six plays, 91 yards. So right. there's things to clean up on defense. Brian Robinson also ran the ball very effectively. 12 carries, 89 yards. So the run game issues are still apparent. I don't know why the commanders got away from the run in the second half, but that's something they have to answer. The Giants are not complaining, but, I mean, that would be a point well, of critique from Washington's McCorn strategy standpoint. and Dotson made a number of plays oh, they in the did. second half. It wasn't like they forgo the run and they didn't get anything in the pass. They did get some some yardage through the air. No, they did. Absolutely. Dotson had over 100 yards, McLaurin, but I just thought there were some opportunities still to have the run game presence, and I was a little bit surprised that they shied away from that. I think if you actually look at the breakdown, Robinson and Gibson combined may have had like four carries in the second half, Paul. I understand your receivers are making plays, but it's not as if they were trailing by three touchdowns, right? True. You can understand you're trailing by three touchdowns. True. You get away from the run. So it was a, I was it, a little bit surprised from that It was still a manageable game. I yeah. suspect that Ron Rivera and company probably said, you know what? We know the Giants' secondary is thin. We know that our receiving core is certainly of a higher caliber. So let's just take advantage of that matchup. I think that's probably the way he went. Sure, just like the Giants actually threw a lot early on because I think they were saying, hey, Benjamin St. Juice didn't play, who was one of their top corners. Let's see if we could capitalize on Christian Holmes and Danny Johnson, who they made some big plays off of in the first matchup two weeks ago. Before we open up the lines, one other thing I want to get to, and that is the significance of this win. We shouldn't overlook that. So they're 8-5-1. and one. They have the tiebreaker over the Commanders. That's critical, which means... The commanders have to finish with a better record than the Giants in order to have the edge over the Giants because if they're tied, the Giants have the tiebreaker. But you also look at 
four teams competing for two wild card spots. That's at least how I look at it. I know you're considering still the NFC West, even though technically the Niners wrapped it up. So I, really, there is no NFC West race to talk about anymore. It's Paul. just Seattle. Yeah, it's just Seattle anymore. Right. So we can dismiss that from the conversation. But Seattle and Detroit both have seven losses. The Commanders are at six. So the Giants have two up in the loss column on the Seahawks and the Lions and one up on the Commanders, but really two when you take the tiebreaker into consideration. So a good position to be in with three games to go, but I will still say what I emphasize leading into this game. The Giants need to handle their own business, and they did that last night. That needs to continue. This idea that they're just going to watch everybody else lose and lay out the red carpet to get into the playoffs, yeah, Giants fans will take that. I get that, but I'm more of a viewpoint. You want to handle your own business, and you want to have some sense of momentum being your best football at the right moment. And this was a step in the right direction last night. I can't really add anything to that. I just wanted to lay out the mathematics because I'm sure everybody at home is doing their formulas. It's not as complicated as perhaps people make it seem to be. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. All right, with that being said, let's get a few reminders out of the way, and then we will open up the lines. Giants Auto Podcast, make sure you subscribe to that. It features a rapid reaction right after each game with one of our analysts, an episode midweek featuring an interview with a national analyst, and then a game preview featuring a long-form interview with a current Giants player, an exclusive sit-down with Bob Papa and head coach Brian Dable, and an opponent preview of that week's opponent. Search for the Giants Huddle on your favorite podcast platform, or you can listen on the Giants app, as well as Giants.com slash podcast. Also, one more remaining home game against the Indianapolis Colts. Still tickets are available at MetLife Stadium. You can visit Giants.com slash tickets to find your game and secure your seat. And last but not least, the Giants official connected TV streaming app. It's Giants TV. It brings you original video content and game highlights on demand and direct to Big Blue fans. Giants TV, it's free. It's on Apple TV, Roku, Amazon Fire TV, as well as the Giants mobile app. So if you can't find it, that problem is on you. Not us, given all of these options. <laughs> all right. I mean, can we name another option in terms of you can access that anyway? Let's well, open could, up the line. They could dial you up at home. They could do that as well. <laughs> I mean, there's enough technology out there. Any technological device that you have, you should be able to access some form I'll get of Giants content. Well, I think we can <laughs> shut down the conversation at that point. That's where you went too far and you okay. crossed the line. Okay. Now I'm going to transition happily. 201-939-4513 is the telephone number. Let's open up the lines. We check in with Greg in Atlanta. Gets us going here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. What's happening, Greg? Hey, how you doing, uh, Lance? How you doing, Paul? Hi. Doing well. I haven't. I haven't called in a while, man, but I'm calling, man. I'm totally excited about what I'm seeing. And, you know, we all want us to make the playoffs and all that. But to be honest with you guys, even if we didn't make the playoffs this year, I'm just excited about the turnaround. I am excited about what I'm seeing from my team. I'm excited about us having two tackles that we can move forward with, with Evan Neal and Andrew Thomas, on the other side of the ball, I'm excited about we got two booking pass rushes to look forward to and build a team around. 
Thibodeau, in the beginning, I was skeptical that somebody must have had a talk with him because the way he was. Greg, it looks like we're having a problem, unfortunately, with your phone connection. So we're going to let you go on that note. What I do think he was hitting on was the fact that it took a few games for Thibodeau to get comfortable. Knee injury. Correct. He was hurt. That's exactly what I was going to get to. That limited him. So it's understandable that he would, you figure, eventually hit his stride, right, as we got into the latter stage of the season. I think we're starting to see that. Now, Ojolari didn't miss a beat when he came off of IR. But remember, Ojolari did have a year under his belt in the right. NFL. So More it's a experience. little bit different. Correct. And to be honest with you, too, um, you know, you got to remember something. Thibodeau's game is, is about speed, quickness, and athleticism. So when he got that knee injury and then had to wear the brace just to get back on the field... The limitations were impacting his game more than it would somebody else because that directly goes, I mean, that's your mobility. His style of play. His style of play was was significantly hampered that first month or so while he was wearing the brace. And it was only after he got rid of the brace, now it's like, okay, the knee's getting stronger again, and now he's able to use his primary tools more to his advantage. Since that time, Lance, he's been getting more impactful every week. And I also think he's getting a better read on the talent that he's going up against, too. Sure. Right? The more and more film you study. Also, this was the second time around against Washington yes. in a close period of time. Experience is the best teacher. No doubt about that. All right, let's head back to the phone lines. Andrew is in Washington, D.C., joining us here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. What's happening, Andrew? Hey, guys, just in uh, enemy territory here. Uh, shout out to Pearson and shout out to Paul and Murray Robinson for pushing back on the Washington media trolls on Twitter last night. Awesome job. Um, <laughs> Pearson was pushing I, back on the media trolls? No, Pearson, no, I didn't I was, realize Paul that. Paul was. Paul was. Oh, um, no, well, you said Pearson. Shout out to Pearson. Well, did I hear you wrong? General, I mean, okay. Shout out to Pearson generally because he's an awesome worker. Oh, okay. Well, I, I didn't know. I thought he was very busy on social media last night. So I thought that's what we were giving applause him credit for. Applause for Pearson. Yes, applause absolutely. For Pearson. I, I we love him. I don't go we after love the him. trolls like Okay, balls. all right. Well, Pearson, I didn't know if you had another hobby on the side. So we're learning something new about you. Anyway, what else do you have for us, Andrew? So I, what is going on with the punt catches? Why can't – awesome job by Richard James in the receiving butt. Why can't he just go and catch a make a fair catch instead of having the ball bounce and get down inside the five twice hit last night? That's we've got to stop that and get film film Akaki in there to teach these guys catch the ball with a fair catch and just not put us back on the two or three. Interesting, you say that because McConkey wore eighty as well, <laughs> and they're two totally different styles of kick returners. Right. Right. Uh, yeah, I, I know. I since the Seattle game in particular. I, I can honestly tell you, you, you get a little butterflies sometimes when you're watching uh, him back there because, you know, that Seattle game was was unfortunate. And it certainly shook your confidence uh, in, in, you know, those situations. Now, the Giants, however, have decided, and I know Adoree Jackson got hurt. And by the way, things are looking real good. He was real close coming back this week. Didn't quite make it. So I think Minnesota probably a real good chance. Well, considering Justin Jefferson's coming up and Adam yeah, right. Thielen and TJ Hawkinson, it may not hurt to have a bag in the lineup. But even after the Seattle game, the coaching staff decided to keep Richie James on the 53, and they continue to send him back out there, which tells you they believe in him. 
Well, remember, Thomas McGahee, when he spoke to the media following that game, I'm not saying this was the only factor, but he mentioned he was wearing sleeves on the first one, not the yeah. second one, and he told him to immediately take the sleeves off. Right. So, And he took that on himself for not instructing correct, him earlier. Exactly, yeah. Now, I'm not excusing that in terms of that's the only reason why. you got to give Seattle credit. They got some good hits on him as well. But, you know, that was one contributing factor, I'm sure, that Richie James learned from not to put yourself in a position simply because of your apparel that's going to give the opposition an opportunity. What else you got for us, Andrew? Uh, no, that's great. I think, uh, you know, just credit to um, the offensive line for making holds and, uh, you know, they just keep running uh, 2-6 in the next game. So thank you guys. All good work. And uh, catch you this week on the other BBKs. All right. Appreciate the phone call. Thanks so much. You know, Lance, the one thing I will say, um, and I appreciate the fact that uh, Coach McGahee always talks about stirring the gumbo because every week he doesn't know who he's got to compile on his special teams unit. But, um, you know, it seems like there's always something breaking down once a week in their coverage. Uh, whether or not, you know, they don't get a lot of returns, we know that. But their kick coverage, there always seems to be something somewhere in the game that winds up tilting the field against them. That's got to stop. It's, it's got to. At some point, I mean, we're late in the season. It's got to stop. But again, he goes back to stirring the gumbo. Every week, he never seems to know who he's going to have on that unit. And I appreciate, I look, I, he's so well-respected in this league. I know he is doing the best job possible to get these guys to be more consistent. But it has been rather erratic. And it's nothing new for him, unfortunately. Paul, I would say he's been doing this for the last few years. The Giants have had so much movement on the special teams front. It's Once again, it's not an excuse. It's the reality of the circumstance. You figure that some of those things would be cleaned up. But it's been so fluid with this roster because of the injuries and in the wake of a Dory's injury, you wonder, did that change their mindset about how they utilize certain personnel? I don't know. I'm just throwing that out there. And that puts Thomas McGahee in a much more difficult spot because some of the regulars that he wants to use, case in point, Julian Love, right? He's a guy that is also valuable on special teams. Do you all of a sudden start to say, do we want to utilize him on special team snaps given the fact that we lost to Dory Jackson? McGahee did mention the other day they do monitor yeah. His special teams work because they got to be careful not to overload him to the point where all of a sudden, man, we've just buried this guy. But sometimes out of necessity, you got to use guys like that. And I you know. know how I feel. I will never stand in the way of using your top players on specials because it is critical. Think about this. The 43-yard return... Don't dismiss that. That was a big reason why Washington got into the red zone. <laughs> you right? think? Okay. You no. think? Well, but the reason I bring this up is because I think there are some people who watch football. Oh, you could use anybody on special teams. Don't worry about it. It's okay. Yeah, you give up field position like that, something tells me you're going to be singing a different tune. And that's the reason why I do buy special teams being a third of the game. Because special teams on one play significantly impacts tilting the field. And tilting the field has an impact both on your offense and on your defense. So I will always buy that it's one-third of the game. Contrary to what some other people say, while well, they're only on the field for 10 or 12 plays, it's not that big a deal. It is a big deal. Washington started that final drive on its own 43-yard line. Come on! Down by a score. You're going to tell me that Ron Rivera didn't say thank you very much? <laughs> he wants his offense to go 80 yards instead of going 51? 
and forces Wink to put his unit out there and say, guys, you better make a play because we're, we're in a little bit of a soup here. Completely changes the dynamics of play calling, too. Let's not forget about the options. Sure it does. At the disposal of your offensive coordinator. Let's head back to the lines. Abdul is in Minneapolis joining us here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. What's happening, Abdul? Hey, guys. So, Hi. Um, I have two things I want to talk about. First thing is that I just love how self-aware Kafka was and the, the offensive play calls were in this game. Um, they realized that, you know, they – are no longer that great of a running team anymore, and they realize, you know, they don't have that much um, uh, talent on the receivers, so they created the, the, this quick, short passing that became kind of an extension of the running game that kept them ahead of the chain, and uh, it just kept them in manageable yarded distance all game. So also, primarily run. to make sure that it would give them all a better chance to hold up against that defensive line, and the plan worked to perfection. Yeah, they didn't give that group time. any time to really hit or record a sack on Daniel Jones, so that was big. Yeah. That was, that was my next point, and it, and it didn't allow the pressure on Daniel Jones. I just thought it was really, really clever uh, uh, play calling. It, 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 it was really, really impressed with that. Second point was how it's crazy how um, the front four on defense won that game. You know, you know, no, no disrespect to the linebackers and defensive backs, but they weren't that impactful. You know, they, they were getting abused in the run and coverage, but the front four made these huge plays at the right time of the pass. And I think you guys mentioned that at the beginning of the game that the, these these pressures and sacks completely changed the game, and if it wasn't for that, they would probably would have lost. Yeah, well, um, the two empty possessions in the red zone that Washington is going exactly. back and saying, well, maybe we could have had three points under those circumstances. So it goes yeah. without saying those were huge yeah. in terms of the, the development fact, of this game. I would just throw in Jalen Smith had another nine-tackle night. I mean, I, I, I get it. I get it. They still gave up a good chunk of yards on the ground, but Jalen Smith is a very active guy. He is a downhill linebacker, and you do not want to get hit by him because when he when he hits you, you feel it. You know who also deserves some credit? Jason Pinnock. You know, he was on a corner blitz. They brought him yeah. in, and he got two passes defense. I know he gave up the big 61-yarder. Dotson made a heck of a it's, play, though. It's not as if the Pinnock was the lost. The receiver made the play. Yeah, but overall, I think he goes unnoticed, too, if we're going to go through individuals that made an impact both in the backfield as well as down the field. It took the entire village to win this game. Okay, fair enough. Right, well, as I said, I, I was very, very impressed with, with certain aspects of the Jars. And my third point is, um, you guys are coming to Minnesota next week. Uh, it's just warm. It'll be a high of 8 degrees on Sunday. Well, it is and, an indoor uh, stadium, you though. Guys, <laughs> well, exactly. But get, get, getting there. <laughs> and uh, are you guys going to be any kind of presence there? Like, I'll, I'll be at the game. Or you guys, are you guys, you guys don't, don't really travel, right? Well, yeah, the, the radio crew travels, but we don't do a show from uh, the remote locations on the road. I mean, okay. that's just not something that's permittable. So, uh, you know, I, I, I wish you well. I hope you got a good seat. <laughs> I tell you what, you will yeah. not see me walking the streets of Minneapolis with one degree <laughs> weather. That's wow. not happening. That even crosses the line for Paul. <laughs> that is not happening. Appreciate the phone call, Abdul. Thanks so much for giving us a ring. Yeah, it's kind of nice that they're not going under construction anymore for that stadium because remember the one year they played at the 
College, they University played, of Minnesota? The Gopher Stadium. And, and the Giants uh, had that outdoor game against them. And I was on the sideline. Oh, I remember. I just wanted to remind you about it. Oh, so, yeah. my goodness. I don't ever want to think <laughs> about that again. Well, fortunately, U.S. Bank Stadium is nice and cozy. Yes. So you won't have to worry about that. That was one of the coldest games that I've ever attended. And I don't care what the numbers said. I know what I felt. Oh, listen, I wasn't even there. Watching from afar, I would have said it's pretty cold. You'd put that up there with the Lambeau Field playoff game, right? You see, here's the thing. And I, I, folks, you'll understand this if you know me at all. When there's a playoff game and and it's and it's going really well and it's exciting, you don't feel anything. But that Minnesota game you're talking about, at halftime it was already a rout, and the entire second half, you felt like you already been frozen in a block of ice and you needed someone to chisel you out. Not a That's good what combo. it felt like. Yeah. yeah. Well, something tells me also the Minnesota players are not complaining now that they have half their games inside as well. Let's head back to the phone lines. Pete is in Florida joining us here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. What's happening, Pete? Hi, Paul, man. Man, you guys are awesome. I call every couple weeks, man. I, I just so excited about last night. We like we can dissect so much about that game, you know. Yeah. Um, and, and like you said, Lance, you know, one thing I'll talk about individual performances. I think. You know, Landon Collins showed a lot. You know, he, he showed that he wants to be on this team. He showed he wants to make plays. I was really happy with that. Coach said but today, by the way, he was asked about Collins, who's used up all three of his activations. Uh, he said, "We'll have to talk to the staff about how we're gonna how we're gonna move forward because they they need to they need to consider." Well, and possibly the trend, bringing them up. The trend has been though that when most guys use up their three call ups, that they tend to then be brought up to the 53-man roster. So I would say the chances are good. Ryder Anderson, for example, he got the three used up and he was added. It's not a guarantee, but I would say the trend and the track record bodes well for Landon. I would think so. Oh, thank God. That's great. I love his his energy and his experience. But, you know, I'm going to – Paul, you're going to love this because playoff scenario, and I know I shouldn't do this. I'm I'm, like everybody else is so happy where we're at, you know, but I can't help it, right? I have a feeling. And I, I know you've thought of this. I have a feeling that um, looking at the Cowboys' schedule uh, and the Giants' schedule, if the Giants play with the intensity they did last night in Minnesota, there's a chance they can catch the Cowboys for that fifth spot. Um, if they could, you know, the Cowboys have the Eagles and the Titans. Forget the last game, just the next two games. After the next two games, if we can beat the Vikings and, and, and uh, Colts and they lose the Eagles and Titans, we have that fifth spot which means that we play the NFC South, the weak team, likely, right? So just correct me and make sure I'm, I'm right on that. But I, I think they have a shot at that five spot. Well, first you of know? all, Tennessee um, has lost four in a row, and the Jaguars are now actually mathematically alive in the AFC South. So the Tennessee team that won seven of eight earlier in the season, Pete, is not the same team that we're seeing as of late. That's number one. Remember, the Cowboys also have the tiebreaker on the Giants. So you did lay out the mathematics accurately. The Giants yes. have to finish with a better record than Dallas because that is a tie, true. Dallas then earns the tiebreaker. And well, remember, well, the Giants then also have the Eagles in the last game of the season, and we just don't well, know what exactly that's going to present. I think, to, to be right, honest... We will have a better we will have a better record than the Cowboys if the next two... Yes, if the Giants... Correct. Way. If the Giants right. win the next two and the Cowboys lose the next two, yes, the Giants would have a better record, but then there's still another game to be played for each one of them, right. is my point. I, 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 I acknowledge the possibility exists... But I did not spend very much time on thinking about it. 
I, I think, to be frank with you, and I think most people probably feel this way, you're thinking more about what is required for the team just to get in. The seeding is not nearly as important, I think, for this organization as they try to grow and take a step forward as it would be just to get into the playoffs, regardless of what number they're at. And here's the other thing, Pete, and I, I think Paul put it in perspective. I wouldn't get caught up in opponents if the Giants are fortunate enough to get into the playoffs. They've won eight games by one score this season. It's not like they've dominated or blown out anybody. So, yes, there is maybe a difference between San Francisco and Tampa Bay. I'll give you that. But are the Giants really in a position where they're saying, no matter who we play, I mean, we're going to roll over them. They've been playing tight games all season long. I really don't think the opponent matters or presents that big of a separation, I guess, is what but I'm getting But my, my tan, and, and my tan I, could use a trip to Tampa Bay. Well, that's fair. From a weather perspective, I, I, right. I got no problem with that. The team yeah. is necessarily yeah. looking at it from that standpoint. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists, like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. No, but, but I, I, let me clarify something. I believe you 100% that the team should not be thinking. I'm just thinking as a fan perspective. Okay, right? I you know, understand that. It's yeah. fun, right? Yeah. It's fun. Yeah, I mean, like, who the hell wants to go to San Francisco if we can go out and beat you know, a Tom Brady or, or whoever wins that division. And, you know, you know, we, you know what's cool? The, what's really cool yeah. is that we could field a call like this instead of talking about positioning in the draft. Okay? Because <laughs> that's been the conversation for most Decembers in the last decade. The fact that we're actually talking about potential seeds, that's a good right. thing. It's a great thing. It's a great <laughs> thing. And also, one more glance to your point about the Titans playing bad. Yeah, but they're fighting for they're fighting for that spot for their own division. So you know, I mean, there's a chance. You know, they're gonna, you know, gonna they're gonna play hard, right? Oh, well, I mean, listen, you you don't think the Cowboys are gonna play hard too? I mean, they're fighting for a playoff spot. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I Pete, I Pete, I, I, I never heard of a team down. late in the season down. saying, "Ah, eh, don't worry, we can afford to uh, throw this game away." I would say both teams are gonna come in playing hard. Absolutely, I don't yeah, think I anybody's know. gonna I dispute know. that. Yeah, I I just have this feeling the Cowboys are down trending. I, I just have this feeling. Well, time will tell. I mean, listen, it's a tight race across the board, and appreciate the phone call, Pete. You got still four teams in this division that all have winning records, but this is what I think sometimes fans are guilty of. It's a fluid situation week to week, right, Paul? We talk about mm -hmm. a team one week, they hammer the opposition, then they lose a game in overtime to the Jaguars, and then it's like, oh, my God, chicken little, the sky is falling. Then they come out the next <laughs> week and they win a game. <laughs> I get it. Everybody gets caught up in that, but that's why my philosophy when it comes to the NFL is steady, okay? Straight line, not up and down, straight line. You got to see a five or six game stretch. You can't get overly excited over one game when then the next game, it's Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. I've seen it way too often. Overreaction with Monday. Yeah. Come on. That's, that's, and it, no, and I get that. It's what it is. But, I mean, the bottom line is, as you mentioned, and as I have been emphasizing, the Giants, all they need to worry about is continue to stockpile the wins. They do that, they'll solidify a playoff spot. And then the cards will fall into place that's it. the way they be. The first step is to get into the dance. Once you get into the dance, who knows what happens. But I stand by what I said. The Giants have eight wins by one score. 
I don't think they're in position to say, well, we prefer this team over this team because we know we're going to win by two touchdowns. They haven't proven that they've been able to do that. So that's why I think the goal is just to make sure that you can solidify. I'll tell you what, the tell you what they have proven, though. They've proven that they've got a number of players who are willing to go out there and put it on the line in crunch time and in these nail-biting type of games. You and I have both been around athletes over the years who shied away from those moments, who when it was tightrope walking time, they'd rather go get popcorn. They're, they're not interested in walking the tightrope. The Giants have a bunch of players who are not afraid of walking the tightrope. Well, and I think part of that also comes with the youth of the team, right? When you're a young player and you're being exposed to a situation for the first time, I think part of it is some of these guys play as if they've got nothing to lose at this point, especially when you're yeah, talking about could Paul, be. Well, I mean, that's just where I look at it through that lens because when you're a player that was called up from the practice squad, are you guaranteed to be here tomorrow? No. Right? So don't you think that that's an advantage sometimes? Once again, could skill be. set we could debate. Could be. I'm not saying that they're even to lose starters. Psychological. I'm talking about psychologically. Which you, the coaching staff sets that narrative to. 100%. But I think that if you're a player who's a borderline player and you're being shuffled, active roster, practice squad, back and forth, you can't afford to say... Eh, don't worry about it. I'll be here two weeks from now. You better not. Some guys probably do. They may. And maybe a veteran on the practice squad who's been in the NFL. Once again, I'm just using Landon Collins as an example. I'm not saying he has that mindset. But you're Landon. You've been in the league for a few years. Maybe you don't have the same mindset as a guy who's an undrafted rookie mm -hmm. who's been going back and forth. But I think part of that may give this team a little bit of a boost in energy because a lot of these guys, they play that way. They play as if there is no tomorrow. I uh, I could buy some of that. And Jason Pinnock, for example, is a guy that comes to mind because he was with the Jets. They cut ties with him. He comes to the Giants trying to redefine himself. And you see what he put forth in the second game against Washington. All right, let's head back to the phone lines. We got John in Cape Cod joining us here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. What's happening, John? Hi, Lance. Hi, Paul. Hi. Uh, happy holiday, guys. Same uh, you too. I got my... I got my Christmas present a little early this year. That game was a great team effort and a great coaching job last night. And for all the people that are moaning and groaning about the no call in the end zone in the last Washington play, I think the calls overall evened out over the course of the game. Um, well, that's officiating. John, I don't mean to cut yeah. you off, but, yeah. you know, you've heard me long enough on this show. And if calls yeah. go against the Giants, I always have the same philosophy. I am even across the board. That is the human element of the game. There's going to be calls that are going to be missed. There's going to be games that come down to crunch time. And they tend to balance out from team to team, week to week. So this was a situation where the Giants may have benefited from some contact at the end of the game, but they have no reason to apologize because this is something we've seen across the league in a variety of different situations. It happens to everybody. Exactly. And and I will say this, for all the times that people will say to me, and my dad's one who always says this to me, you know, uh, play better. Play better so that you don't leave it up to the officials. Play better so that a bad call doesn't ruin you. Okay, great, great. I just prefer that the officiating just be better itself. I'd like to raise the level of the officiating. Raise the level so that we don't have so many of these instances during the course of the season. But if somebody wants to come out and say, 
all the time whenever you feel that the team you've watched has gotten shortchanged? Well, the, the, the answer is, unfortunately, this is the reality of what we are in this league right now. We have so many games that see twists and turns based on either calls or no calls. And it happens throughout the league virtually every week. So that's the reality. That's the pool you're swimming in, which means there are going to be days when you're not going to be happy and other days where you're going to be okay and breathe a sigh of relief. That's just life. So live with it. It's the nature of the sport. In the NBA, it's the same thing. Every single play gets put under the microscope, and there's a little bit of a different process because of the NBA. I know the league gives out a report, and they explain calls in greater detail. The pool reporter did speak with the official, by the way, if you are interested to see his explanation of the last two plays and the penalties. They did that with a member of the Washington media. But, I mean, that, once again, it's the nature of the sport, the human element. It's never going to go away. It is what it is. No, it it won't, and I think – I do think, though, the speed of the game has outpaced the refereeing. Uh, last two last two points, guys, and I'll get off. One was it was nice to see all and hear all the Giant fans in those Washington stands. It seemed to me at times they were making more noise than the home crowd They were was very vocal. Week. That usually has yep. been a trend, though, for road games and Landover. Yeah, the, the Giants have been very fortunate, I think, with some of the uh, the travel this year and and I, I think people are really kind of caught up in the fact that this team's doing some good things yeah the last thing was it occurred to me during the game that the giants are one good draft away from being a really top drawer team if they last night if they had a mclaurin or a dotson they would have won that game going away and there's no doubt in my mind they've got their quarterback for the future Thanks very much. Yeah, appreciate the phone call. Thanks for giving us a ring. You look at what a McLaurin and a Dotson to the last caller's point could provide. Yak, yardage after the catch. I know Dotson made the big catch down the field, but McLaurin, they were running plays specifically for him, Paul, if you noticed. Start of the second half. All of a sudden, it changed, right? Scott (laughs) Turner went back in the locker room, and he said, we got to get the ball in the hands of Terry McLaurin. And what did they do on that first drive? They got him on a screen. He gained, what, 20 yards after the catch? So, you know, that's why those players are so valuable. It's not that you're getting the home run all the time. It's the fact that they're elusive. And when you get guys like that out in open space, coincidentally, not to get off topic, Washington's going to play the Niners this week. San Francisco is built around that very concept. I know Debo Samuel's hurt. But Kyle Shanahan, who's working with a rookie quarterback in Brock Purdy, how do you alleviate a young quarterback? You get the ball in those playmakers' hands, you let them do the heavy lifting. Washington dialed up similar patterns there. Giants are up uh, 14-3, to start the third quarter, and they've got a punt. And to your point, what do the commanders do? McLaurin for 18, McLaurin for 13. <laughs> After two more snaps, which included a penalty, McLaurin for 20. It was the Terry McLaurin show. <laughs> I mean, you know, three long passes, and that leads to a, a touchdown that, you know, gets them back within a score. I mean, you know, uh, let's not kid ourselves. We knew exactly what they were doing. Everybody in the building knew what they were doing. And I've been listening to some of Scott Turner's pressers in preparation for these last two games. He's been asked about Terry McLaurin, and you speak to anybody from the Washington organization outside. He is known as one of the great good guys in this league very unselfish individual, doesn't demand the football. But Turner even says 
there are times where he wishes he got him the ball more because they know clearly what he's capable of doing. So I think that relates to what the last caller was getting at. Let's head back to the phone lines as we move along here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. Lance Meadow, Paul DeTito with you. Dave is in Texas joining us on BBKL. What's happening, Dave? Good morning, guys. First, I'd like to wish the both of you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year, and you have a great show. Same to you. Thank you, sir. Back at you. I'm going to make a comment. Uh, cool hand Luke Danny Dimes is maturing. He's our quarterback of the future. And uh, there's a guy on Madeline's show who says he's the guy to keep. And I agree with that. This kid is unflappable. What he's been through in his career with different owners, different coordinators. I mean, this kid is fabulous. I hope to God we sign him. And I'll say thank you, guys, and I'll take it off the air. All right, Dave. Appreciate the phone call. Well, I really don't think the conversation has changed much, Paul, since we are normally asked this same question. They're going to let the season play out. They're going to evaluate it during the offseason. And there's some options in terms of the franchise tag, a short-term deal. But I don't think game-to-game, the way this front office, and this is my personal opinion, operates is not the same as fans. Fans love to have the conversation, right? right? And they love to put Daniel Jones under the microscope. Well, his completion percentage was great. He protected the football. That earns a contract extension this week. Then next week, you have the same conversation. Well, he lost a fumble. <laughs> Can't do that. He was in a bad position. The front office doesn't operate No, like that. they do not. They're going to wait to see the complete set of games over the course of the season. They're going to evaluate other options, perhaps. And then they're going to make a sound decision. And let's not be naive. Finances plays a role in this, too, with respect to the salary cap. I, I will only say this in generalities. I've, I've said it on this show since late October. I believe that since that time, the intention by this organization has been to bring him back in one way, shape, or form. However those numbers have to work out, whatever deal's got to be done, I do think that since the middle of the season, they had already decided that the arrow was pointing towards keeping him. That's my opinion based on my taste of the the plate, shall we say. But, um, you know, ultimately... It takes but things two. do change. In the I, I was going to say, yeah. things can change, sure. and it also takes two to make a deal. That's the key. <laughs> no, And that's an important phrase because we talk about this whenever we receive calls about free agents and why didn't it work out and this and that. The Giants can want something to happen. The player and his agent have to want it just as much. There has to be a middle ground. Yep. It takes two to tango. We could throw out every cliche known to man. When it comes to this conversation. But Although I would only say I don't think it would be very logical for Daniel Jones to want to go somewhere else. Given his success much, and how well it's worked here. Well, and how much turnover he's experienced no in a question. short period of time. No question. Do you want to learn another offense for the 75th time? I, I, I would wouldn't. agree with you. So yes, from that standpoint, there's benefits for staying put. On a related note though, one thing we did not get to. Well, maybe we had influenced it in terms of passing with respect to the Washington pass rush not getting home, but the Giants protected the football. Overall, not just Daniel Jones, Paul, they didn't give a gift to a commander's offense that clearly was struggling at times to score and finish drives. And while the 43-yard kickoff return we talked about, that was a nice gift towards the end of the game, but you didn't see multiple situations like that play out where – you had a costly fumble. It was close. Remember, Daniel Jones did, we should mention, replay yep. overturned what was called on the field, and clearly his elbow was down. But, you know, that goes the other way. Washington now has a shortened field. Who knows? So it shouldn't go overlooked. 
protecting the football against a team that you like to say two middleweight teams that right. is in your ballpark, you don't want to give them favorable field position. No doubt. And and fortunately, again, there is replay so that some of the hazy calls, shall we say, can get corrected. But with the human element still a part of the NFL, there are going to be weekly calls that people will not agree with. That's just the way it is. One other thing I want to highlight on the offensive side of the ball, we started the conversation talking about the rushing attack and Saquon, those three big double-digit runs on the last drive and the 18-play, 97-yard drive. What jumped out to me about the rushing attack overall is the limited negative runs and no-gain runs, which I like to monitor. Paul, in the first half, they had a run for negative five when... I believe it was Jonathan Allen pushed John Feliciano yes. all the way back into oh, St. Barkley. He pushed him all the way to the Lincoln Memorial. <laughs> Pretty much. I mean, that was a heck of a play, which just goes to show you the talent that some of those guys up front yeah. for Washington have. My goodness. I mean, when you push an offensive lineman back into a running back, so that was the one negative run. Second half, no negative runs. No runs for even no right. gain. And what do we talk about? They weren't great on third down. It wasn't pretty. Both teams combined to go 3 of 20. It was like watching the first game all over again. But they didn't put themselves in precarious spots as a product of negative runs. It may have been a false start penalty that we talked about here or there or whatever it may be. But the fact that the run game stayed in the positive, that was also a huge sign. No question. This, this offensive line, again, with some help from the game planning, mustered up enough gusto to do what they had to do against a very formidable, formidable Washington front. All right. With that being said, that is going to do it for us here on Monday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live. It's quick turnaround time because the Giants have a Saturday game this week as they will visit the Minnesota Vikings. So we will be turning our attention to Minnesota as well as the team itself. And today's episode of Big Blue Kickoff Live, part of the Giants platforms everywhere and Giants.com slash podcast. For Paul Dottino, I'm Lance Meadows. Stay locked to Giants.com for all the latest, and we'll be back up and running on Big Blue Kickoff Live on Tuesday at 12.30 p.m. Eastern. Have a good rest of your Monday, and always stay locked to Giants.com. We're out. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.